Tim. Episode 28 of the Stats of America podcast, the week eight NFL recap. It's here. How do we fare with our picks this week? I think the only place we could have gone from last week is up. So I think we'll be okay. Uh, we're almost halfway through the season. It's up to week nine now. And I don't know if it's too early to start crowning division champs, but it looks like with the football we're getting, that's probably going to be the case. Uh, in our cups this week is another IPA from other half out of Brooklyn, New York. Shout out to Vacation Land. Uh, look, you all know, you got to tell everyone you know, that Stats of Matter can be found wherever they get their podcasts. Stitcher, Apple, Google, Spotify. And we're quite punny on the socials too, if you know what I mean. At Stats Podcast on Twitter and at Stats Don't Matter on Instagram. Now let's crush this show and crush these beers too. All right, Tim, unfortunately, before we get this one started, I just want to take a quick second. Uh, all month, we are sponsored by Vacationland Distribution. They sent us uh, a great care package last week. We had one of their beers last week. We're going to have another one this week. Uh, we've got a few more coming up, but um, we wanted to take a quick second and recognize the loss of one of their teammates. Uh, Vacationland is both near and dear to Sam and myself. Uh, they did lose one of their team members recently. If you don't know the Vacation Land guys, they're a pretty close-knit group of guys. Um, and uh, towards the end of summer, uh, unfortunately, did lose one of those members. His name was Corey Wilcox. Uh, he leaves behind his wife, Meg, and they, their dog, Betty. Um, unfortunately, when these things happen, especially for younger couples, there's a lot of unforeseen circumstances financially that come up, and they are no different. So... One of the guys over there started uh, a GoFundMe. They've been sharing it around. We shared it around on our own personal social media. But we want to take a second and encourage you guys to go out, take a look at it, donate, share, whatever you can do. I know it means a lot to those guys. They mean a lot to us. Uh, I think this would mean a lot, both not only to them, but the, the family and friends of Corey as well. So you can find it on our Instagram at, at Stats Don't Matter. We're going to post it again on our own personal social medias, but you can also go to at VLAN main, the vacation land Instagram page and find it there. Um, you know, today's election day. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of unease. Uh, this is one of those things that obviously makes it very difficult for their family. If there's one thing you can do to kind of help, you know, do something right, share, donate, do what you can try and help us take care of the family of Corey. Yes, indeed. Rest in peace, Corey. All right. That being said, let's ease into the show. Uh, we are going to start with what's in my cup um, because we're being sponsored all month by Vacation Land. It's only right to start out with the gifts of the Vacation Land gods. Um, we're going to go ahead and dedicate this one to Corey. It's a small gesture. I understand it's just beer, but uh, this is really what those guys are about. They're some of the best in the business. Um, they look to take care of their clients, their customers, the breweries they work with, the, the vineyards they work with. So um, we really want to show some support to them, and we really want to show some support to Corey. So uh, we're going to be drinking All Simcoe Everything. It's from Other Half. It's an Imperial IPA. Uh, Vacation Land is one of the first groups up there to get Other Half and to get it out to everybody in the area. So um, we're thankful to be part of it. But this one goes out to Corey. I still don't think there's anything that sounds quite better than the crack of a can, especially a tall boy. You know what I mean? As we're yeah. floating into the Stats Matter podcast, just I hope everyone who's listening does the same thing, even if they don't yeah. get the beers that we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
we'll try and segue in. We'll bring it up a little bit. Um, I, you know, it's tough starting off on a on a low note, but you know, we we've been following those guys for a long time. Um, they've taken a vested interest in in what Sam and I are doing. They're also friends of ours. We've known them for a while. Went to college with them. We've talked to them for for quite a bit. I've been going back and forth with uh, Jim O'Brien, the owner, for quite a long time now. So um, I know this was hard on him. I know it was hard on them. So it was only fitting that we kind of started that. But all that being said, Sam, let's talk a little bit about the beer. This is, I think, in my opinion, one of the things they would have liked us to be doing. Again, you know, they live and breathe this stuff. So it's only right that we carry on with the show in lieu of everything going on and show a little respect by uh, diving into this beer and Talking about it a little bit. One thing just off the, the the top, whenever you crack into this beer, you 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 get this like resiny pine like mm. punch. It just comes out of nowhere. Um, obviously, like with a lot of imperial IPAs, and imperial just means like double or triple like the value of like whatever the ingredients are, you're naturally yeah. gonna get a more pronounced flavor profile for whatever it is that they're doing. So they're all everything series is a, a beer that highlights only one hop. So they probably throw in the boil dry hop it maybe double dry hop it get crazy do some other stuff with it you know put it in a bed next to hops who knows what they do but you're never really going to understand how to like pick apart different beers unless you kind of get one of those beers that's all one type of beer because a lot of people will put together uh great beers for what, what they're worth but like falconer's flight which is a hop mix right so then you, you'll get something and you're like oh my favorite hop is falconer's flight and you're like yeah but which one of the hops is it you know and then there are some people out there who are staunch mosaic fans I'm, I'm a mosaic fan myself but some people really love citra some people really love simcoe and and i love that the beers highlight this so that's the first thing i take from this beer it's it's definitely got an earthy pink to it and it's very piney and resiny mm -hmm. I, I like that stuff um but i think that's because i didn't have regular cough syrup growing up i think my mom like made some cough syrup with, like pine needles and stuff <laughs> a little bit of honey you know what i mean the out there in the way. backwoods domain. Oh yeah, totally. I tell you how many uh, colds and flus I didn't have. <laughs> <laughs> so I, this beer kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm kind of in that same boat. Um, for me, the the sort of resiny, sort of piney flavor and and taste goes along with a lot of the West Coast old school style IPAs that yep. I'm a big fan of. Lunch mm -hmm. is one of my favorite uh, IPAs of all time, and to this day still is if you've never had it it's super crisp very clean and super consistent like every time you have a lunch you know exactly what you're going to get which is amazing i know not a lot of people now are still drinking west coast style ipas but for many years that beer was in the top three all time up against you know some of the other beers actually from out west so um Great beer if you find it. This beer gives me some of that sort of nostalgia. It gives me a little bit of that that piney resiny flavor, but it's got that full body New England style IPA where uh, you know it's very opaque. It's it's got that like deep amber color. It's cloudy. It's all the things you normally get in another half IPA, uh, but for eight eight point five percent, it's incredibly smooth. So. Mm -hmm. For mm -hmm. me, anytime you get the Simcoe, anything, and all, all the breweries do it, they all have a line now where they just have one hop that they stick to. Uh, but uh, for me, I think this is almost a perfect blend between those two. Uh, so for me, um, while not one of the best other half beards I've ever had, it's one of the best 
Simcoe variations I've had from any of the uh, any other breweries that have attempted it. Night Shift makes one that's uh, comparable, but still falls short of this one a little bit. So if you mm. ever see it, snatch it up, because I know this one's out for distribution. Yeah, so... I will go ahead and break the silence here with the uh, the rating. Uh, drum roll, please. <laughs> I'm gonna go 4.10 on this one. I, I think it's it's very good. It's very clean. It's calm. You could yep. drink a couple of these before they sneak up on you for sure. But yep. um, that being said, we are getting into the winter months here. Well, you, not me, but you know, <laughs> some of yes. us don't really get snow. So, yes. you know, it, it got to be 48 degrees the other day. I had, had to actually wear pants for the first time in like eight or nine months. I was a little upset about that, but eh, it is, that is what it is. But this is, this is a good winter warmer beer for sure. Yeah. I mean, this is one I could have pretty much any time. Um, yeah. I'm going to give could. this one a, I'm going to give this one a solid four. All right. On my scale, that's that's still a good score. I'm uh, on your enough, scale, that's enough. a questionable. I, but. No, 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 no. See, I'm, now that I can do the the point one zero rating, I'm, I'm going to start giving some beers like two and a half. I've been giving a lot of three point five. See it lately. I'll see. I, 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 when I see the two point five, we'll raise a beer and celebrate. <laughs> All right, let's get in. Let's let's recap week eight. Kind of hectic, kind of crazy. You could call it the divisional game uh, week because that's kind of what it was. A lot of those matchups. Really good games, um, and let's get into it. Thursday night, Panthers, Falcons. I said that the Panthers probably going to find a way to keep pounding, and they're going to go four and four. And uh, you know, I probably should have looked at some of the history or the stats, which don't matter. That Julio Jones puts up against the Panthers every single time. Um, but really, I just love starting off the pod with an L, a big fat L. I just love to do it, really. Uh, and I feel like this is that Thursday night game, one of the first Thursday night games I can remember that has kind of kept your interest going. You got two divisional teams. You're kind of slugging it out. Mike Davis, 66 yards in the ground. Panthers rushing attack was potent. They had plenty of other people rotating in, getting about 30 yards on average. But the Falcons knew that this was the game they had to keep their foot on the gas, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, they kicked field goals every single time. Young Way Koo scored four of them, and that complimented Julio Jones' 138 receiving yards. And you could say if Matt Ryan kind of put something together – he probably would have had a touchdown too. So even though this game ended 25 to 17, it really was pretty much over midway through the fourth quarter. Um, there's something obviously that the Panthers have, but it just didn't come to play this week because both Matt Ryan and Teddy Bridgewater tossed a pick. Matt Ryan, we're used to seeing that from. Bridgewater, we're not. One team can make up for it. The other team can't. Um one really weird, weird thing. Matt Ryan didn't throw a passing touchdown in this game. Hmm. I, it, it's very difficult to win games in the National Football League by not throwing a touchdown. So whenever it happens, you have to like really kind of take it with a grain of salt. Like, did you really put your best performance out there today? I mean, but the divisional games, they're always a tough slate. And I, I think even though the Carolina lost and they're third in the NFC South, I mean, Atlanta's fourth. So what really changed here? They still have another game that they're going to have to play. So – between now and the end of the season, I don't think that this game says any less about the Panthers than it does about the Falcons. The Falcons, you right. won the game. Good, you were supposed to because you've been sliding. Um, the Panthers do need to keep games like this closer. Teddy Bridgewater was sacked three times, and if they could have limited Julio on a couple of those drives, maybe this game is closer. But the mm -hmm. Panthers were abysmal going two for ten on third down, and you're not going to win a game just being that atrocious. You either got to convert no third downs or all of them. 
I had the uh, Steelers and Ravens, and I thought this one was going to be a close one. It was it was a pretty decent game, um, but it was another weird outing for Lamar. He racked uh, he racked up an impressive sixty five point eight passer rating on the day. <laughs> uh, I said in the weeks prior that something has to be wrong. Something is definitely off, and it's not being talked about. He had two interceptions, and he had three fumbles, and two of those fumbles were recovered by Pittsburgh. So something seems amiss. Um, you could say an off year, but he just doesn't look like Lamar Jackson. He looks more like a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. And this is, as of like four weeks ago, the first few games of the season, he came out like vintage Lamar. Uh, but he's making me look stupid because I was the one saying that I would put him up over Patrick Mahomes. Um, so I'm willing to bet at the end of all this, something comes out of here where there was an undisclosed injury or something happened, you know, who knows, but there's something underlying there that's just not working for him in general. There's something, there's something off. Um, production wise, it was quiet for everyone except JK Dobbins and Willie Sneed. Both of them went for over a hundred yards for Baltimore, but not one player had more than 67 yards on the entire Steelers roster. So offensively, there wasn't a lot of output in this game. Um, but you're constantly fighting turnovers. You're constantly forking the ball over. Uh, it makes those wins that much easier for the opposition. And that's not to say the Steelers, uh, this was an easy win for them. It did come close to it down the stretch. Um, but they came back from a 10 point deficit. Uh, they just kept their foot on the pedal and the Ravens who have been sort of fledgling along this whole process just didn't have enough this time. So I'll be curious to see what happens going into the next few weeks. I have, I have a sneaking suspicion. There's something that's going to come up where some fluke injury, you know, broken ribs or something that they're just not disclosing. I know they're supposed to obviously, but you've had other players across the league who have come out and said, you know, I've been hurt for X amount of weeks. You know, Jimmy G has been hurt since week two. And he finally just went out for what is probably the rest of the season. And then you had other guys who had, you know, broken fingers and, and other things that have sort of come to light after several weeks of, of bad performance. Uh, I'm not trying to make excuses. He could just be playing poorly this season, but it seems like something something is off there. Sure does. <clears throat> Rams, Dolphins. I, I said I think the Dolphins win by two here. Uh, wow. If this game proves anything, maybe our previous podcast guest from earlier in the season from Florida is on to something because Tua Tagovailoa got strip sacked by Aaron Donald, which just looked like it was meant to be on the first drive. And then uh, the Dolphins defense just absolutely bailed him out. That's something I didn't see happening. I understand that Brian Flores is a defensive-minded coach. He comes from the Patriots system. He knows what he's doing. But this is the Rams, and they absolutely made the Rams pay for turnovers. Uh, fumble return pick six, just they open up a can of whoop-ass on the Rams before halftime. Um, and even the scoreless third and fourth quarters for the the Dolphins made it interesting when the Rams tried to keep it close late um, to a 90-some-odd yards and a passing touchdown, right? Like, if you can win games like that where you only attempt 9 to 12 passes, uh, okay, you'll take it. Um, but Jared Goff threw for 355, which was 260 more than Tua threw. And that's not a typo. 
So even when you have a good defensive squad, you can take punt returns and fumbles to the house. Like, I guess you don't need to do too much. Does that really tell us a lot about the Dolphins? No. Could they have won this game with Ryan Fitzpatrick? Probably. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, it's a big risk and the big reward for the Dolphins to start a rookie quarterback after their bye against Aaron Donald. Every pundit would have been like, no, not a good idea. So it does open up some interesting conversations about Tua, see what he's capable of. They're only two games back from the Bills right now. That's not a bad place to be in the back half of the season. And it's also not the place I thought they would be in. So in a weird way, I kind of like what I'm seeing out of this Dolphin squad. <laughs> Jets, Jets, Chiefs. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, Kansas was favored going into the game by 19 and a half points. I felt like that was uh, a little modest with the bookmakers because uh, they won 35 to nine. And it's a game where Patrick threw five touchdowns, which brings him to 21 total on the season. Uh, guess how many downs uh, touchdowns the Jets have for the entire season? I know you can see my show notes. I ask you every time. Uh, four. Yeah, yeah, four. yeah. But even if I didn't see it in the notes, I would have thought like, I mean, I, I started some Jets pass catchers of fantasy the first like two weeks and I was banking on touchdowns and it didn't happen. Yeah. So I would have said no. two, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Patrick threw more uh, in one game than they've had for the entire season. So this one was, it was never close. Three, three. It, the game was so out of hand that on the Chiefs side, they had three players with QBR ratings. Patrick, Chad Henney, and then one Tommy Townsend, who sounds more like a character from the Sandlot than a football player. Sounds like him and his brother, Timmy, and Tommy Townsend might be two brothers I met in Charlestown. Uh, <laughs> but it, I'm, I mean, I'm it was, in this whole town in my rearview mirror. It's not going to be me, your sister, Timmy and Tommy Townsend playing house. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly what that sounds like. Uh, uh, that was, that was mean, from the movie The Town. That's where yes. I came from. <laughs> So, funny, so when I moved to Charlestown, that sign was still up, and everybody in Charlestown hated, hated that movie, because they were trying to move on from that image, yet the movie kept bringing it back. So, mm. uh, I remember sitting in a bar, and I'm pretty sure I met the guy who it was, uh, a story for another day, but I'm pretty sure I met the guy, <laughs> they, the guy in the flower shop with the tattoos on his, on his forearms. Uh, I'm pretty sure I met that guy and bought him a drink for his birthday. It was... Crazy story. I'll tell it another time. Uh, hmm. But yeah, back to the shit show of a football game that was Kansas, New York. Uh, the Jets never stood a chance. It wasn't even close. Um, I said this, I said last week, it was, it, in a weird 2020, I could see the Jets somehow making a game of this, maybe not being super shocked if they found a way to uh, upset Kansas the way the Giants almost did Tampa. Um, but I, I was. I was. I did say I thought Kansas was going to win this game, just that I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets found a way to to squeak it out somehow. Uh, but no, that never even, never even a thought. Your punter was out throwing passes, so it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Vikings Packers. I said there's no pack, no way the Vikings win. And uh, if you listen to this podcast, you should know that almost every time I say there's no way, there's no way, I'm always wrong, which in a way I like. But in a way, I kind of don't. But I, I said, look, if the Vikings don't get it together, they're going to get annihilated in this game by Aaron Rodgers. But if we're being 100% honest, the team could decide to tank the season, move on from high-cap veterans, or surprise the hell out of us. And that's exactly what happened here. They surprised the hell out of us. I 
cannot take my rose-colored glasses off long enough to smell the biased pie that I've been cooking because for what it's worth, even though I thought that there was a chance that the Vikings could surprise us, I did not see the Packers having literally no answer for Dalvin Cook. None. He looks he looks every bit worth the money that the Vikings paid for him. If you're Aaron Rodgers and you put up three TDs, almost 300 passing yards, and you lose to Kirk Cousins who toss a TD and only half the yardage, I mean, you're right after the game to say, listen, we need to trade for more players. Now, he wanted an offensive player. That didn't happen before the trade deadline. But the Green Bay defense needs to look at the film and answer the mail after this game and be like, how in the world do we not have an answer for Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, and Dalvin Cook? Because mm. the Vikings realized early on they're not going to do anything to stop him, so we can just throw our regular game plan out and we can just keep going back to him. I mean, the way the Packers got diced up, it was like Dalvin's, Dalvin Cook's like rendition of Hell's Kitchen. He was like Gordon Ramsay out there, absolutely cutting him up. And, I, I mean, I thought with the Smith brothers on defense, that they were supposed to be a different type of team with a different type of defensive attitude with Mike Pettin, the defensive coordinator there. But maybe this was a trap game for Green Bay. I always think some of these divisional games come down to that. Even at the bottom of the NFC North, the Vikings are still a long shot to win the division. However, they could play a lot of games. They could win some games, really make a, a push late season for that wild card spot. And I, I think it's possible. Um, they've obviously split the series with the Packers. So you can't hope to get an extra game there unless maybe some weird, crazy stuff happens and you face them in the playoffs. But man, I just, I did not see it happening like this. Colts Lions, uh, another Sunday, another day of games with crazy, insane scores. Uh, 41 21. Colts in a game where Rivers and his, his offense were just rolling along. In all, they put up six touchdowns. Uh, one was a pick six, so that's cheating a little bit. But uh, Rivers went 23 of 33 for 262 yards, and he had a total of three touchdowns, all of which came in the second quarter. Uh, he's done that a few other times back in 2015. But this is a game where you got to feel a little bad for Stafford. A little. Only a little. Uh, he stacked up a total of 336 yards. But again... He was flirting with that 50% line, which that's a dead horse we beat all season. You can be as productive as you want. You can put up all the numbers you want. But if your passes are only completing about 50% of the time, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're just throwing the ball. You're wearing your team out. You're on the field a lot, but you're not getting a lot out of it. Uh, you're extending drives not in a good way. Um, he was 24 of 42 for the day. He did have an interception, and we, we said again, that one was a big one. It was returned for 29 yards by Kenny Moore for a touchdown. Uh, and he had another fumble for a turnover. So it's another game where Stafford is just not doing his part to completely take care of the ball. It's tough to overcome a team who's rolling like the Colts were in this game. Uh, I still think the Colts are a little bit more of a streaky team. Uh, I know we keep rooting for Rivers. We keep thinking he's going to do well. I haven't seen enough to be confident going in week in and week out. Obviously, this was a pretty good game, but it is against the Colts. The Colts aren't a terrible team. Um, they have put up some competitive games, but I don't know if this is quite enough for me to be completely sold on Rivers and what they're doing. I think this was just those guys coming in on a really high note, having a great game, and I think it was more the Lions kind of 
stumbling a little bit and having an off day. Uh, Rivers can come out and follow this up next week. Maybe it's a different conversation, but I think there's a little bit more football to be played before where I know the Colts are four and two, Lions are three and three, so there's only a one game split between the two of them. Um, but I think if the Colts, I think if Rivers can come out, put up decent numbers in consecutive games, then maybe we start to look at the Colts as a legitimate contender going into the latter portion of the season. But st- still, still, still a week or two away from that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think the Jaguars are going to challenge them for the, the division title at this point. So <laughs> no. there's, there's not a lot to worry about there. Uh, Raiders, Browns. I said, I think that the Raiders find a way to keep this interesting because if Joe Burrow can go ahead and throw for 406 on this Cleveland team, Derek Carr should be able to. And uh, AJ, infrequent listener of the podcast, you might want to get on the choo-choo Derek Carr hype train that I'm going to start. Getting going here because, yes, in the wind and the damn hell rain, the Raiders, Raiders found a way to get it done. They won ugly, 16-6. to six. I mean, if you watch this game, look like there was, like, the inside of a snow globe. And knowing that you're a team from northern Ohio, Cleveland should be able to play in that. No answer whatsoever. None. Uh, there was only one passing touchdown, and Derek Carr threw it to Hunter Renfro. Uh, neither neither team's quarterback. I'm laughing because this is this is funny to me. Neither neither one of them threw for more than 125 yards, but Josh Jacob had 130 rushing yards. You know what I mean? Like you obviously are going to take what the defense would give you, but the defense was like, nah, it's cold, bro. I don't really think we're going to come to play today. And I, I guess you can kind of understand that. I mean, there's 43 mile an hour gusts that were going on at some point during this game, but no defensive player had more than six tackles. This almost reminds me of the. Minnesota Seattle wildcard game when it was like negative 30 people are out there making business decisions trying to tackle people that's what this game kind of looked like but the Raiders did exactly what they needed to do they got back in the swing of things at second place in the in the AFC West they're not really in a place to catch the Chiefs right now unless the Chiefs absolutely succumb to injuries or they fall apart but they could easily capitalize and make a deeper playoff run than I think a lot of the pundits thought in the beginning part of the season they were going to be able to do and remember. If you're going to say, Tim, it's the Browns, you have to beat up on goodish teams whenever you're given the chance. And the Browns were 5-2. and two, So you mm-hmm. needed to actually get this win so people can start maybe constructing the narrative the Browns aren't really that good or maybe your team's not really that good. And that's what the Raiders did here. Props to them. Yep. Speaking of Burroughs and the Bengals. Oh, here it comes. Your boy did it. Damn it. Did, did, did Joey roar a little bit? Uh, a little bit. A little bit. Uh, not Tannehill's best outing. Did all right. It was a 31-20 loss, going 18 for 30 uh, for 233. Did have a pick, but your boy Burroughs came out to play. Snaps his two-game uh, streak of 300 yards or more, which is a little surprising. You thought he was going to... Be able to keep that up. I know the Titans defense is a little better than the last two teams that he's faced. Um, but he took care of the ball this week. He was super efficient. He missed only 11 of his passes out of 37 attempts, which is pretty solid. And he spread the ball around pretty well. He had five guys in double digits on the receiving side. Uh, and it was a big win for the youngster, little guy. Uh, mm-hmm. He continues to grow each week, and he shows some big improvements. Um, I think the Titans will bounce back, and they'll be just fine. Henry did go for 100-plus yards, and Corey Davis did the same. 
Their D was just outplayed by the Bengals. I think the Bengals came in with a slightly better game plan this time around. I think this might be more of poor game planning by the Titans and an off day and a superstar outing by the Bengals and Burroughs kind of hitting his stride a little bit because the Titans didn't really look like a 5-1 and team, but the Bengals didn't look like a 1-5-1 and team either. So this is one of those interesting matchups where, you know, kind of like I was talking about Kansas City and the Jets, where I wouldn't be shocked if there was a major upset that came from it only because it's 2020 and things are, are, are weird, but not quite to the same extent. Burrow has been doing well coming into this. Um, I thought Tannehill was, I thought this was going to be a game where he could really put up some numbers. Uh, obviously, I was wrong. I did say this was the Tannehill show until otherwise proven. And now, you know, you got to start looking at it going into the the next few games here. But I think Burroughs is starting to put it together a little bit. Uh, we'll see. He didn't have a lot of production from any one individual on his team, so he hasn't quite found that go-to yet, which I suppose is a good and a bad thing. Uh, if you're not looking for one target, uh, it's not as easy to get lost in you know forcing plays, but it, almost every quarterback has their get-out-of-jail-free card, right? So... Core Davis is kind of becoming that for Tannehill. You have Evans, who's that for Tom Brady. Used to be Gronkowski. They all have that one guy. Uh, Burroughs hasn't really found that yet, but we'll be interested to see how this develops. This could be a pretty big one for him to come in and beat a 5-1 and one team and, and do it well. I mean, 11 points is nothing to, to shrug at, so... This could ultimately end up being sort of something we look back as a pivotal point in their season. Um, we just hope that this isn't the same pivotal point for the Titans either, where teams are starting to figure them out. So we'll see what happens. Let's see what happens. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm pumping the brakes a little bit on the Burroughs hype train still. Oh it's, yeah, yeah, sure. But, I mean, you can, you can just, you can do just that. You said, he, yeah, the little guy. Yeah, he's six foot four, so you know he's taller than yeah, both well, of us. He's, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. He's about he's, half. He's about half my age. Ah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> so All right. He's a little guy. <laughs> oh my God. I just wish you would say that in the Charlestown voice. He's a little guy. Yeah. Six foot four. <laughs> little guy. Control the football all over the place. Dude. Yeah, just a chump. Oh my goodness. We're gonna, we're gonna get into Bill Burger voices here if we don't if we don't quit this. All right, like, moving on. Bill's Patriots. I said there's no way that uh Belichick will lose four in a row, and he did. Um instead of being 24-21 Patriots, is 24-21. Bills yep. and this is kind of a heartbreaker. Cam was going down the field, twenty-four, mm-hmm. twenty-one, and then he fumbled on a run. Now he had scored yep. a rushing touchdown earlier. It was a play they probably thought was going to be successful. Got a little cute, coughed up the ball. Uh, that's what most people are going to take away from this game. Let's remember though, and I, I'm not a Patriots fan, so take this for what it means. The, the the Patriots are a shell of themselves this season. Okay, you can't blame them for much that was going on. No, of course Cam shouldn't have coughed up the ball when they're marching down the field, because that is the death march set to tune whenever the Patriots get the ball in the fourth quarter and they're just going down the field. It's an inevitability, like Thanos in, in the in the Avengers movies. You, like, you just know they're going to score. Now that narrative is not exactly so solid anymore. So do they have a chance to win the game? Yes, which says a lot more about the Bills than it does about the Patriots. Uh, they did win. The Bills did win for the first time in seven years, which is... <laughs> Pretty unbelievable when you when you yeah. think about it. But again, 
Patriots didn't have Edelman at one point. Uh, Cam Newton was throwing to three or four undrafted wide receivers. Look, you're going to be great in college when you can throw to some undrafted folks or people who aren't on scholarships in the league. It's going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, Damian Harris, rookie running back. Got some stuff going. Got a touchdown. Neither quarterback threw for a touchdown. But Josh Allen rushed. I mean, but but both Josh Allen and Cam Newton rushed for what well, you know once. So it's obvious that the game plan was never going to be to test the corners deep, even though Stephen Gilmore didn't suit up in this game. Um, I think it would have been a moral victory at best if the Patriots had won. Um, but at this point, I kind of feel like there's got to be a serious collapse by both the Bills and the Dolphins or the Patriots to win the division. And of course, what's the buzzword all this week? <gasps> Is the dynasty over? I mean, wasn't the dynasty over the second Tom Brady left? Like, why have we truly believed that the Patriots could just pick up the pieces and plug in whoever to play the quarterback position? It, it requires a different level of effort and a different standard of play. And I suppose the Cam Newton hype train will be coming up to the next station, and a lot of folks will be getting off that train. I mean, I intend to stick around. I think there's better days ahead, but this is a this is a bad stumble for this team out of the blocks, really. Yeah. Like, and you really expect to see someone step up on that team in the second part of the season. You, it has to be Cam, but you need someone else on the offense to really kind of step up, start being that that transcendental player because without it. I think the Patriots do not get to 500. Yeah, I, the only thing I'll say on that, I'm trying to find it real quick. Um, they did make a couple of changes uh, coming into today. Like they just signed Isaiah Ford, uh, who's a wide receiver. Um, they've, d they've done a couple moves going into this to kind of help bolster it. But I think one of the things people keep forgetting is they had like eight guys opt out for COVID including yeah. some of their biggest names on the defensive side. Now they're, now they're getting bit by the injury bug a little bit. They had the COVID scare where everyone was kind of out for a little while. Sonny Michelle hasn't been back. So all the pieces, not, it's not even that the pieces aren't there and they're a shell. They're like a whole new look, whole new team with a bunch of people they can't do anything with because they're either not in playing or they've sat on a list. And In the, the middle first, of the season. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, the, it's not like you're like, all right, cool, we have a bye, we're going to come back. It's in the middle of the season. Yeah. But you're looking at the offensive room and you're like, all right, who, who am I throwing it to? I don't and know who that tight end. I don't know who Belichick. you are. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you have Belichick who's coming out in a rare moment and talking about money, which he never does. And he came out last week and said, Hey, look, you know, we don't have a lot of depth because we don't have a lot of money. We're, we're struggling with the salary cap a little bit. And then he had to come out and, and sort of justify and clarify it again. Cause everyone kind of thought he was making excuses. And one of the things that was the most telling when he was like, look, you paid Cam a million dollars. Like if that's not a sign as to how little we have to, to, to deal with here to, you know, deal with that cap, that should be a big representation. So they can't go out and spend a ton of money to try and bring in some of these guys. There's a lot that they can't do. I thought Gilmore setting or sitting was because they were shopping him and they were about to trade him. I'm still not entirely sure that they're not going to, or something's not going to happen there, but it's awfully convenient rumors of him being traded leading up to the deadline, uh, culminate in him sitting out a game with a knee injury that came out of nowhere a few days before the trade deadline. So We'll see if that ends up culminating into something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Cam looked bad. You're throwing to a bunch of, you know, unfortunately, I don't want to say nobody's because they made it to the league, but you're throwing it to a bunch of people no one's ever heard of. So just food for thought. Not only mm -hmm. they shell of a team, mm -hmm. they're, shell, they're a shell of what that shell was supposed to be. You were supposed to have enough pieces to get you by. Uh, 
and a lot of them are not playing, including some of your star defenders. So mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim, I, I got to bag on the, the Pats a little bit. So go ahead and bag on the, the, <sighs> the Seahawks who are supposed to lose to the Niners this week. Oh, wait. Spoiler alert. Uh, spoiler alert. They did not. And look at that. Russ did not throw a pick this week, which is something to celebrate because he's been pretty consistent about giving the ball up at least once or, or coming close to giving it up at least once. He was, while not perfect, almost perfect. He only missed 10 of his 37 attempts. He had four touchdowns in another fantasy point frenzy for DJ Metcalf, uh, who went bananas and accounted for half of Wilson's passing yards. He had 161 yards in the air, and he had two of their touchdowns. Uh, The Niners, on the other hand, they kept it closer than I was expecting, to be honest. But I wonder if this is going to go a little bit more of an example of uh, how poorly the Seattle defense is sometimes, because Jimmy G is still banged up with the ankle injury from way back. Apparently, week two is now likely out for most, if not the entire remainder of the season. Uh, Nick Mullen stepped in, and he made a pretty valiant attempt. He was 18 to 25. He put up 238 yards. He did throw two touchdowns in a game where Kittle was knocked out again and will likely miss most of the regular season, if not a a large portion of it. They did fall short despite the defensive struggles, and Seattle took over and won 37-27, which for me is a much closer game when you are playing against a team who's without their star quarterback and who's without their star tight end. Um, Yeah, I'll give you a hint. It's called prevent defense. Yeah. Well, Eat up the clock. That game was never that close. Yeah, I think the defense is something you're going to have to keep an eye on, though, on the Seattle side as we get later into the season because they're like a few injuries away from some of these games really swinging the other way. But as long as Metcalf stays healthy, that's always going to be a big mountain to overcome. Um, Russell, though, third player in NFL history to get 250 touchdowns in the first nine uh, seasons. The only other two were Dan Marino and Peyton Manning. So he is chugging along. I do worry, though, watching these teams, uh, at least at face value, uh, they're they're great at putting up a bunch of points, but a team like the Niners, it never should have been within 10 points. Like, it should have been one of those Jets. It should have been one of those Jets-Chiefs games where you should have just been able to pile them on. But if you have, uh, you know, someone who's been playing, you know, not at their peak, we'll say, I'd say poorly, but someone not at their peak, like Jimmy G., and then a backup comes in and still is able to kind of put up 230 yards and two touchdowns on you. It's got to be a little bit of a concern. Um, if you get a, a, a corner or maybe one of your middle linebackers going down, it does change the dynamic quite a bit of your team. So just something to keep an eye on. I, I'm sure they'll be fine. But if the injury bug hops up and, you know, rides north into Seattle, they could be in for, you know, couple tough losses i could see being you know six points or or less between between the two but as as of now russ doing russ things helping will that team into uh into victories oh i just i love how pained your face is i know the listeners can't look at it but it's just it just sucks when you know i just can't decide what jersey i'm gonna buy yeah (laughs) i just can't decide whose jersey i'm gonna wear it's gotta be metcalf right yeah yeah I mean, I'm, I've been a tire Lockett stand since the, you know since the draft. Yeah, Lockett. I could I I could see it being it, Lockett. It is good though that like you stop one guy one week and then the other guy goes off for two or three yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I do like seeing that. All right, 
All right, I'll get off. I'll get out of my bag for a minute. I mean, there's there's still there's still lots of football left for the Patriots to come back and have a better record than Seattle. But uh, <laughs> uh, no way. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, I shouldn't have done it. Edit this out. Every time I say no way. Oh no. Say say. We're we're moving no on. Way. We're moving on. We're moving on. We're on uh, to I the Chargers. I heard it. It's on record. The fans heard it. We're on to Chargers versus Broncos. Come back. Come back season. <clears throat> Chargers Broncos. I said. Um, <laughs> Look, Vic Fangio was able to make Patrick Mahomes look human. And I don't see the Chargers making the same mistakes. I think the Chargers would win 21-17. Chargers. Chargers, Chargers, Chargers of Los Angeles. Listen up. Listen up. Stop wasting that man, Justin Herbert's time, by letting the Denver Broncos score 21 on you in the fourth quarter. It's not the Chargers offense's fault that they can't hold the 17-point lead they built for you. It's not the offense's fault that you let Drew Locke look a little bit like the sheriff as he just tossed a game-winning touchdown with zeros on the clock. That's some grade A certified prime Angus bullshit. Uh, after this game, the Chargers traded their best cornerback, Desmond King, to the Titans. Uh, why? I, he's like an actually good cornerback. Don't like, He's one of the best slot corners. Like, why would – okay, this doesn't make sense to me. So you have Keenan Allen being a thing again. Hunter Henry is on a milk carton and no one can find him. And there's no real lead running back here because Austin Eckler, do you see the bat signs that everyone's putting up? Please come back soon. And for my fantasy teams, uh, I don't know how the Chargers let this happen. I'm guessing after Philip Lindsay sucker punched the Chargers defense for a 55 yard score, it probably has something to do with it. That probably got in their heads and they probably started thinking we need to stop the home run play every single time. Uh, and of course, losing on the last play of a game when you're up big and you settle for field goals when you should have gone for touchdowns, it's probably why you lost this game. Because when you see your defense can't keep up, you need to keep your foot on the gas, and that is not what the Chargers did. And you gave the game away to Drew Locke. Congratulations, Chargers. Both. Saints who got another win in overtime. It's their fourth straight, uh, all of which have been decided by six points or less. Uh, coming by way of the Lions, the Chargers, and the Panthers. So not exactly a great roster of games to barely win by. Um, uh, barely I win by. I see what you did there. <laughs> Don't act like you're trying to be punny with the, the Bears-Saints game. Come on now. <laughs> uh, I mean, the wins just, they're not coming as easy to the Saints as uh, as it used to, but I wonder if a lot of that has to do with Michael Thomas, who was out again. Uh, you wonder as long as they're winning, if they're not rushing him back because uh, he's not 100% or if he's just an asshole. Um, but I might just have the best fantasy bench ever. It's just too bad that they're all injured. I literally have six guys on my bench right now, all of which are too good to drop. Uh, so much so that I went into the week with Thomas in my starting lineup because I had nobody to swap him with. <laughs> and then screwed, and then screwed up uh, by leaving my defense in, who uh, was unfortunately on a bye week, uh, and still somehow managed to squeak out a win. So, Finkel for the win. That's my uh, that's my fantasy name. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Foles had another decent outing. He was twenty eight of forty one for two hundred seventy two yards, but he was sacked five times and he threw another pick. That's his seventh this year alone. The Saints are a solid team. It was good to see them put some drives together, but I think the Bears are slowly shaping up to be a team that might play upset a little bit later in the season. I'm not 
quite going out on a limb and saying they're a good team yet. Um, I thought and was hoping Foles was going to come in, really turn this team into his thing and become something, you know, somewhat special like he did in Philly. Not that they're struggling, they're 5-1, and one, and I know it sounds, you know, bratty to say that, you know, they're not playing well, but a lot of these games, I think, well, they're 5-2 five and, five and two now, but a lot of these games, um, I feel like are other teams not doing their part more than it is the Bears doing their part. Uh, like this, this is another one of those games I felt shouldn't have been as close. It's the Saints. It's Drew Brees. It's Alvin Kamara. I mean, these guys should have been putting up big points and the fact that this one went into overtime um maybe the bears are a better team than i'm giving credit to maybe nick Foles is doing a better job at quarterback than i'm giving him credit for um uh, i'm willing to accept all of that like i said i'm fantastic at these picks if you guys haven't been paying attention for the last few weeks uh, <laughs> but i think they'll play a little upset i think they're gonna make some waves going into the tail end of the to the season um do I think they're a deep playoff contender? No, I don't, I don't. I don't think so. But they might spoil a couple seeds for some other teams, and they may make maybe a wild card game a little bit more interesting. Yeah, we we'll have to see. Sunday night, Cowboys, Eagles. <clears throat> you said oof earlier, and now I'm saying oof because one of these teams had to win this game coming out of the dog pile that is the NFC least. Um, and I just didn't have a ton of faith because I knew Andy Dalton wasn't going to be under center. And uh, I said, Carson Wentz needs to get this game. He needs to win. Just, just shake some of the monkeys off his back. And I thought that they'd do. And they would take a commanding one-game lead in the NFC East. Oh, God. Look. <laughs> I need someone to explain to me how that defensive touchdown by the Eagles wasn't ruled down by contact. I understand it's Ben DiNucci. He's your third-string quarterback. But if we're calling quarterbacks – sacked because they're in the grasp for a second or two a lineman who is touching the ball on the ground and is touched by a another player for more than two seconds and then pops the ball out when they're on the ground means the play is dead i don't understand how this happened but it, maybe the refs were like look this is sunday night we're getting out of here i'm not i'm not dealing with this you can't hate the eagles they took care of a really bad cowboys team but for the Cowboys, especially their fans, you have to wonder if the cries are about as loud as they're ever going to get for them to bring in someone like Colin Kaepernick. They've been rumored that because Andy Dalton is now on the COVID-19 reserve list that he's not going to play this week against the Steelers. So Ben DiNucci is going out there, and Cooper Rush, I don't even know who this dude is. He's going to maybe be the quarterback? Come on. Who else is available for them? You might as well have Amari Cooper or Zeke throwing passes out there. I, I don't even think... That, that could even sum up how much of a destruction the Dallas Cowboys are going through right now. There, there's a lot of chemistry issues, I think, that exist with this team. But, 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 if you're an Eagles fan, don't, don't be going, oh, we won this game. You, you need to be upset about this game. Carson Wentz threw another two picks and lost two fumbles. He's now thrown 10 touchdowns and 10 picks on the year. That kind of play may help you squeak out against teams like the football team, the Giants, the Cowboys, who are in their third-string quarterback. That is not going to stop you from getting your teeth kicked in against the Packers, the Saints, the Seahawks, or the Cardinals, who line the back half of your schedule. The Eagles are 27th in yards total per game. And at 3-4-1, and one, they don't really have a lot of competition to skate to first place in the NFC East and host a playoff game being sub-500. 
But, I mean, damn, 2020 is just four seasons of the NFC East. That's what I've figured out. That's what we're at now <laughs> because that's exactly the kind of football mm-hmm. that we're seeing. And it's just, oh, I want it so just, bad for that Steelers-Ravens game to be flexed. Like, oh, so bad. But we had to we had to give it. We had to see the NFC East in primetime. That's great. Yeah. Not so much. Uh, speaking of not great, <clears throat> Buccaneers and one Giants team uh, who is one and six and now one and seven. This was actually more of a nail biter towards the end of the game where the Giants put together. And I have to say, I test watching this game. There were, if you just say you didn't know anything about football and you just switched over and turned this game on, there were a couple drives. Uh, the tail end, the tail end of the first half, the start of the third quarter. And even a couple drives in the fourth quarter, the Giants looked like a decent offensive team where they were just gashing Tampa, who has a really good defense. Uh, and they they looked great doing it. There was a couple of times, like I, I sent text messages to uh, a couple of my buddies who are Giants fans and was like, oh, what, holy shit, what happened this week? Like, you guys look like you, you really came out to play. So it was a little surprising. I mean, they look sharp. Right up until Jones turned back into Jones again. Uh, he threw two interceptions, had a couple great drives that ultimately turned into turnovers, uh, which has to be incredibly, incredibly frustrating. Uh, he put up 256 yards. He kept giving you the lead, and then he does undoes all that work by turning the ball over on the next possession. Uh, it's just really tough against any team. But when you go up against a team that has a guy on the other side like Tom Brady, they're going to most of the time make you pay for it. He has turned the ball over 36 times since the start of last season, which is the most in the NFL. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. Oh, that's like yeah. that's like two or that's like two or three a game. Yeah. Uh Brady, though, on the opposite side, had another pretty solid outing. He was 28 of 40. Learned a little bit with that 50% line, but he was 279 yards, had two touchdowns, put together a few vintage drives, the tail end of that first half where they marched down the field, the tail end of the the fourth quarter where they did the same thing and kind of marched down down the field and got them into winning position. Um, their defense, I don't... I, this is another one of those where I wonder if they were just sort of sleeping on the Giants going into the game or what, because there were plenty of opportunities where they just looked bad and it was just same guys over and over and over like if you were just listening to this game on the radio you would have a pretty good idea of where the ball was going to pretty much every single time um maybe it's a sign of the giants starting to figure things out um i don't it's tough it's it's another tough one to say like this is another one of those surprising games everyone thought was going to be you know heavily leaning towards tampa and it didn't my money is just being on more of an off night for tampa the bucks though they're sneaky playing pretty great football up until this point they find themselves at six and two and after a slow start to the season Gronk's getting a little bit more involved they had another touchdown in this one um the defense is you know it's been solid. It keeps showing little weak points like this. The offensive line looks pretty good right up until it doesn't. Because when they start to look bad, they start to really look bad. And like there was a couple times where 
you could just see that everything kind of collapsing. Um, I know it's easy to kind of pin that on Brady, and it's tough because going into that, they had something like 56 consecutive plays without Brady getting sacked. But outside of the that 56 streak, it was he. It just didn't look right. Like he didn't have a lot of time in those scenarios. Um, I know everyone was talking doom and gloom about Brady at the start of the season. He had those first few games where he kind of struggled a little bit. Said in the beginning, I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, getting in the groove with the receivers, not having any offseason to, you know, find out whose strengths are, are where. And I think we're what we're seeing is they've kind of figured their shit out a little bit. Um, it's going to be a little bit more of an interesting storyline as long as they start getting Gronk more involved. He's had, he had the most, cons- the last four games are the most productive he has had since like 2016. Or something crazy like that. He doesn't um, need to catch the ball more than a couple times a game just to catch a key third down here or there. I mean, they're so stacked on offense with all the weapons they have that he gets to block. He gets to essentially he gets to be the George Kittle from last yep. season. He gets to maul some people, catch a few passes, yep. not do any of the work in the middle of the field, and then catch a touchdown. I, but sign me up all day for that. Yeah, that's exactly what they were saying too. They were, you know, a lot of people were saying they were surprised that how quickly. Gronk sort of adopted that role where now he's a either a uh like a blocking tight end, he's a, a pass runs, a pass rusher, defender, you know, positions where he plays an integral role in the ball getting dished out to somebody else. Uh just completely selfless football. Um and I think he's done that incredibly well. It's I think he just looks like he's having more fun now that he is getting involved. I think he was a little, you know, down by by not getting it. You're you're a tight end who's made a, uh, a career out of being one of the most named players on your team. So to go from that to just 90% of it being blocking. But I think as long as you win, winning's fun. I think he's in for it. Um, but this is going to make for an interesting conversation as the season goes on. And I'm only saying this because it's an interesting conversation. I don't think there's anything factual about it. But as we see the Patriots continue to struggle a little bit, we see Tom Brady go on and have a little bit of success. They're entirely different scenarios. I'm actually already, you know, bothered by some of the conversations. We should have signed Tom Brady. This is what happened. No, no, no. Nobody anticipated COVID coming. Nobody anticipated half of your defense sitting out. There are lots of things that came up that you weren't quite prepared for. So stop all that nonsense. But it is an interesting conversation, at least to visit time and time. You know, what would it look like if, if Brady was still on the Patriots, would they have had the same success as the Bucks? No, probably not, because they're still thrown to nobody. And Tom Brady assembled the Avengers down in Tampa. So, uh, different scenarios, but a fun conversation to revisit. We'll revisit it every now and again. But oh, the biggest we note, sure will. The biggest note before we move on: Brady did pass Drew Brees in this game with 561 touchdowns, and now owns the single most touchdowns in NFL history. So the longer he plays, the more of those records keep falling. So that, that cliff, everybody, that you guys are talking about, that cliff. Uh, if I fall off a cliff and die one day when I'm older, I hope it's this kind of cliff because it seems like a more Enjoy. casual, <laughs> it seems like a more casual walk downhill than it does uh, falling off and plummeting to my demise. 
100%. As long as I don't get those breaking news alerts that uh, Drew Brees threw 563 touchdowns and then another breaking news alert that Tom Brady threw 564 touchdowns until the, like, just tell me at the end of the season who has the most all time. I don't care about this in game stuff. Ugh, brutal. Absolutely brutal. Okay. That's week eight. Close the books on it. Before we get to week nine, there have been proposals floated out there that there's going to be a 16-team playoff. Ugh. If that is the case, there would be no buy for the number one seed. So good on you for getting the number one seed, but you're not going to get an extra week off. You're going to play the number eight seed. Absolute trash idea. Terrible. But the league is floating it because the players missing games due to COVID-19. Okay. We went and already expanded the playoffs. Now you're expanding them again. Half of the league is going to go to the playoffs. I don't agree with that, but maybe like one of our podcast guests said earlier, for this season, we'll put an asterisk. We'll give you a mulligan. We'll let it happen. Also, updated COVID-19 sideline procedures. We've all seen coaches catching six-figure fines, and so have their teams, for not wearing masks. So everyone's better at wearing masks. You know who's not better at wearing masks? The players, the people, the assistant coaches in the sideline. So now... There's recommendations that are being floated out there that players need to wear masks when they do their post-game hugs and jersey shakes and everything else that they're doing. Um, again, great. Comes at a time where we're encountering another COVID-19 spike, so I think this is a knee-jerk reaction to that. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they're going to be able to enforce it. But again, the thing that ails all, just take draft picks away. I don't know why we got to this point without the league kind of having some progressive enforcement yep. and, and trying to step up. I, I think that obviously hitting the coaches because they're the ones who are the most visible. Cool. I get it. I don't know how the world you're going to make players put their masks on when they come off the field, but good luck with that NFL. Try and figure that out. There's going to be a lot of revenue that I guess they're going to recoup for not getting TV. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, how are you supposed to enforce this when all the way up the food chain Ownership They're getting COVID tested. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it doesn't, it doesn't well, make no, sense. No, because because John Elway just tested positive for COVID. So, like, how are you, as the CEO and owner of your team, not how, how can you be the example if you're out doing the same shit the rest of your team is getting punished for? Like, well, I mean, again, I mean. I, I, I said that the Titans were probably, a, you know, a few episodes back, the Titans probably went to Tootsie's or Alan Jackson's country bar, and that's how they caught COVID. But really, I mean, without really diligent contact tracing, you're you're gonna you're just gonna be splitting hairs at that point. But I agree with you that as the head of an organization, you definitely need to be doing the most because your players are getting their brain stamps swabbed every single day. And now, if a player tests positive on game day. And the result comes back in some somewhere in the third quarter. And Tim is a cornerback, and he's had a 0.0, .0 quarterback rating all day. And then it comes to find out that he tested positive for COVID that day. They're going to yank him mid-game. Who do you mm -hmm. think they're going to pick on, the opposing team? Yeah. Whoever and whoever it, goes to replace you. I did notice. Did you did you happen to notice that like when this first started, as soon as someone popped up with COVID, like the teams were immediately shut down and like practices were canceled? Now yep. it just seems like Oh, you're going to isolate player, them from the that team. That player is just gone, and now yep. things mm -hmm. carry on. It's like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. What the hell just so, happened? <laughs> I, again, this goes back to something I said more than five or six pods ago. Uh, actually, like eight or nine or ten pods ago. 
you had the most time in front of you to come up with a comprehensive yeah. plan. And you failed to do it because yeah, you either thought we were going to get past this by this time, or you didn't really take this, the severity of the threat. It doesn't matter if someone is asymptomatic and they're not having lung issues. We, we know that there can be damage on later on down the line. Oh, and by the way, like the Raiders, you get flexed out of prime time because your entire offensive line is possibly quarantined. Yep. So teams need to think a lot, a lot heavier about this in the second half of the season. I think they will. But, oh, man. I, I think you need to look no further than the New England Patriots, too, with some of this COVID stuff. I won't go so far as to, to say the struggles are COVID-related. I won't do that. But is it oddly coincidental that New England went out for COVID? They were rolling. They were legitimately rolling through not only their division, but the rest of the league. They come back from COVID. Cam doesn't look the same. He doesn't look nearly as fast as he was going into COVID. Like, just something to look at. You had yeah. a athlete like Cam Newton, who was a a figure behind the ball that you were worried about because he could throw, he could run, he could do everything. Week in and week out since then, announcers, analysts, we have said, he doesn't look as fast as he used to. He doesn't look like he's moving as well. He just doesn't look like he's the same player. So you got to kind of wonder, is there something there that needs to be considered more, right? Like it's, I was going to say this earlier. I don't know if I'm going to quite cross that boundary, but we kind of wonder if some of these other guys who are struggling a little uncharacteristically may have come down or had COVID prior to the season and didn't know about it. Like we talk about Lamar Jackson, who just seems off and there's no real reason or understanding as to why something is amiss. And he's been like that since the start of the season before they were heavily testing everybody because they didn't have any preseason. So I'm not tinfoil hat. I, it, it's not on my head. I'm not trying to spread conspiracies. I'm just thinking maybe this is a question or something we need to start considering with some of these players who are struggling a little bit, who might otherwise not have been. Cam is a big one. Lamar might be one to consider. Don't know. Don't know. But it is coincidental that pre-COVID, Patriots, I I have spoken to some NFL analysts and journalists who actually had the Patriots as a potential contender to go deep into the playoffs. After COVID? Yeah. They look like a way. terrible, terrible team that is going to struggle just to get out of their division for the first time in like, 20 years so yeah just well, i mean just food for thought well we'll take it all with a grain of salt those are the big happenings in the nfl right now obviously you know the expanded playoffs have to be voted on and you know the covid protocols those are also very important as well so we'll have to see what comes of that i do think that honestly this is just a season that we've never really seen before given the fact that we're in a, a global pandemic and we're still trying to push a sport through so you're going to see some missteps. Players may end up having further health issues that I don't think we'll see the effects of for a few years. But necessarily, the product hasn't suffered overall, and I think that's why the NFL is still pushing forward. They obviously are trying to keep their players safe, and I say safe with air quotes because they are levying heavier fines and and draft picks. So we will see if that enforcement works. I don't think it necessarily will, but all right. Those are the big happenings that have been in the league thus far. Week eight behind us. 
we moving on to week nine. Uh, Thursday night football, Packers, Niners. Before this past week, Packers, Niners looked like a great game. Now, oof. The 49ers have over 10 people on injured reserve. Jimmy G is out indefinitely because they try to rush him back from a high ankle sprain because he plays in one of the toughest divisions in football, the NFC West. Okay. George Kittle now has a broken bone in his foot. He's out a minimum of eight weeks. He thinks he can come back in two. I don't know if he's made of adamantium or whatever. It's going to be a lot longer than two weeks. This 49ers team is going to look completely different. There's no other team that were Super Bowl contenders this season that have been as ravaged by injuries as the 49ers have. There just hasn't. And to be brutally honest, they swung for the fences this this past offseason. They tried to get younger on the defensive line. You can't fault them for that. They had four studs, and they were doing crazy things. They went up double digits in the Super Bowl. Then the defensive line couldn't get there. They said, look, we don't need to overpay for this. We're going to go ahead and get younger. Cool. But if they still had Nick Boza, Richard Sherman, or any of their starting running backs, this team would be every bit as competitive as their counterparts in the NFC West right now. Now Nick Mullins is a great quarterback backup. Okay. But I wonder how high the ceiling is for him, right? He's going to put points up on the Seahawks. Newsflash, he's done that plenty of times. I don't think that the 49ers who are going to face a Green Bay squad who just got their asses handed to them by the five best rappers of all time, Dylon, Dylon, I mean, sorry, the, the five best running backs of all time, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, and Dalvin Cook. I, I just don't think that this is the game for them. I, Green Bay desperately wants to erase the bad taste in their mouth of them getting shellacked in the NFC Championship game last year by the Niners. And I think that the Pack is going to win this one pretty easily, and I don't think – uh, necessarily, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff going on this week. Tonight is Tuesday. Should have been Bachelorette night. There's obviously the election going on. So if the Bachelorette is not on tonight. It's going to be on Thursday. Am I going to watch the Thursday night football game? Yeah, I, I'll keep it on the Yahoo Sports app and I'll, I'll watch it. But I'm trying to figure out who's trying to find love this season. And that to <laughs> me is a little more interesting than this Packers-Niners game, which is going to be so one-sided because Aaron Rodgers is so pissed. And I completely agree with him. You didn't, you didn't get no playmakers at the trade deadline. The defense didn't get any better. If I'm Rodgers, I'm putting up a 50-burger on this team Thursday night. Giants uh, football team. Uh, I mean, when you look at the records of the two teams, you think they're probably going to be somewhat similar uh, on paper. I don't necessarily know if that quite stacks up to be the case. Kyle Allen came off of a pretty resounding win against the Cowboys in the last outing. Then they went into a bye week. So they got a little bit more time to kind of game plan and build off of that. The wrinkle in this equation is the Giants and the gameplay they put up against the Buccaneers. Now, you got to wonder if that was game planning or if it was just shitty play by the Buccaneers. Um, watching the Giants all season, my gut leans more towards the uh, the the ladder there, where I think it was just poor play by the Bucs. I think they just took a game off and, and got caught sleeping. Um, I think the football team wins this one. I think they're going to continue to ride a little bit of that, you know, streaky luck from Allen. The Giants are just sort of struggling right now with a quarterback who continues to put up massive amounts of yards, but also gives up the football every single game. And one of those that you know there's a staggering statistic that i saved just for this daniel jones has a turnover at least one in 20 
of the last 21 games. That is the biggest streak since they started recording that stat. (laughs) (laughs) So so, (laughs) this is probably a game where it's going to be close because both teams are a little bit sloppy. They're still struggling to kind of find their, their way. I think Washington has sort of found a little bit more, even though the Giants have shown a little bit of a flash in the pan, Washington seems to be on a little bit more of an upswing. And I do think it's going to be a closer game, but it's going to come down to a turnover, maybe even a pick six or a turnover that gives Washington good field position. So while I think this is going to be another close one, I think the Giants are going to come out and play well coming off of the game. There was a lot for them to look positively on from the Tampa game, and they're going to try and build upon that. Washington isn't anywhere near as good of a team as Tampa is, so there is some potential there for them maybe to squeak this one out. I wouldn't be shocked if they come out and win this one in a close game, maybe with like a game-winning drive or, you know, maybe putting up a couple points in the latter portion of the the fourth quarter to win it. But I think Washington is going to come out. They're going to have two weeks to game plan. They're going to put a game together. And I do think Jones is going to cough the ball up in a pretty tough situation, and it's going to be a lot for them to overcome. Man. It's NFC East this season. 20 Seriously. of 21. Let that sink in. 20 of 21 games. He has coughed the ball up. And you saw the numbers. You saw, or you heard well, the numbers before. men lie, what woman lie, numbers 30, don't, right? So What was it, 30, 36 turnovers since the start of last season? So uh, you, stats you do don't the matter. Math. Stats don't matter. Thirty six turnovers in twenty games. You do the math. We'll see. <laughs> That's a lot. We'll see. Bears Titans. Uh, bro, the Bears. How twenty twenty is this? People are now advocating for the Bears to go back to Mitch Trubisky. Ugh. This is a five and two team. Are you like five and three team? Are you kidding me? Like, if the Bears wide receiver did not decided not to toss WWE style haymakers on the Saints defensive players, maybe the Bears <laughs> would have won last week. Okay, but. How bad is it that your wide receiver throws a punch at the defensive back and the defensive back just turns his head like, I'm sorry, did you hit me? That's the most disrespectful thing ever. Like, why are you going to punch a helmet? That's going to hurt you more. It's going to hurt the guy. Um, it, look, it wasn't to be last week, but I think the Bears got to figure out what kind of football team they're trying to be this year. Um, I hope last week's loss kind of tell, like makes them look a hard look at themselves and, and, and decide to purge some of their bad football memories from early this season. The Titans are pissed that they got pushed around by Roaring Joe Burrows, okay? There's no doubt about that, which to me means Derrick Henry and Khalil Mack squaring off is, as Rex Chapman would say, the content we're here for, and we're going to get it this week. And if the Bears don't come correct, the Titans are absolutely going to run a train all over them. That's what I think happens here, and that's why I think the Titans are going to win by 10. Did you say run a train? This is a family program. Yeah, I mean, run an Amtrak train with Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is the conductor of the train. It's a family he's running, podcast. Ah, he's driving the train. What? Oh, All right, this is getting out of hand. This yeah, is getting out of hand. This sorry, sounds like yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like a crazy, crazy Friday night at USM. This is a family podcast. All right, uh, I got Lions Vikings. Um, I don't know what's going on here. I actually, before we get to that, I want to see the internet is undefeated because almost immediately after that game uh who was it what was it wins who was doing the 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 punching in the helmet uh yeah mims yep mims almost immediately 
after that game, probably while the game was still going on, someone went out to Wikipedia and updated his Wikipedia with a tag in the original bio that said he made his boxing debut. <laughs> <that> <laughs> <night>. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it was it was it was funny because without context you we were like oh he became a boxer and then when you look back he was just an idiot punching a helmet. Um, mm. Anyway, I keep feeling like I'm drawing the short straws here with these shitty games. I got the Lions who are three and four against the Vikings who are two and five. Um, this whole season feels a little weird to me, where the teams are either seven and one or five and two, six and two, or they're like three and four or two and five and below like there's there's not many guys around 500 there's not many who are just over just below 500 obviously i just said the lions are three and four so they're not too far off but they're like the one exception everyone else is like three and five two and six it's bizarre but anyway you you would think in yesteryear the lions and vikings would be a pretty good matchup um but I don't think it is. Stafford is having a little trouble protecting the ball. Again, it seems to be sort of a streaky thing that kind of happens with him. He plays a couple good games. Like, here he is. The Lions are figuring this out. And then he goes in and he, you know, coughs the ball up a couple times and then moves a couple games that should be winning. Uh, I think that's going to happen here. I think the Vikings are coming in with a little momentum, you know, going up against Green Bay. It's a pretty big mountain to climb and they did it and they beat Aaron Rodgers who at the start of this season or up until about three weeks ago two weeks ago was in contention for MVP of the season um that's that's a good victory to come off of and to face a team like the Lions who have been sort of inconsistent up and down with their play they started out slow found some success and then they've just sort of been up and down since I think the Vikings come in I think they take this one uh I think they take it actually pretty well i'm gonna give them two touchdowns going into this game so 14 points yeah yeah i told you guys i'm good at these picks you know take it to, don't take it to vegas please don't take my best to vegas don't do it don't do it's it but the, i think it's in the notes and it's been recorded you said at 14 points i hope they lose by like 28 <laughs> they probably will 20 oh man true all right panthers chiefs well christian mccaffrey is he back i keep sounding like a broken record because i say it every week in the podcast but at this point they're running out of time to reactivate him to designate to return from IR. If you're the Panthers, you got to circle the wagons here. Okay. Are you going to win this game against this, against the Chiefs? No, you aren't. Uh, but you were in the game against the Falcons and then you kind of threw a pick at the end. So if you don't at least attempt to trade shots with the Chiefs here, all you're going to have is a bunch or not a bunch of consolation points. The Panthers are hemorrhaging the division to the Bucs. But there is a small chance that they can begin to put together some quality wins towards the end of the season. They could eke out a wild card spot, especially if 16 of the 32 teams are going to go. Um, I think that they are going to begin to put together some some good play. And hopefully the return of CMC, knock on wood, looms large for a team that wants to turn things around in the second half of the season. But I'm telling you. I have Texans Jaguars, and if we're looking at the game you just broke down, <laughs> look, I just, I just went, I went, I went, Tim Sam, Tim Sam off the last week. It, blame you. the NFL for the scheduling. Yeah, listen, I, I have nothing to do with this. No, this has more to do with what I was just talking about with records. Like the teams you just broke down were three and five and seven and one. I'm now breaking down two one and six teams. The next game after this, it's Ravens Colts who are five and two. The Seahawks who are six and one against the Bills who are six and two, and then it drops back down to three and four, two and six. Like it's. What the hell is going on this season? 2020. I got the Texans. I got the Jaguars. Uh, I, 
<laughs> this has a game which is prime for some sort of crazy fireworks because the Jaguars are expected to start uh, their six-round rookie, Jake Lutton. And I know everyone's looking at Tom Brady like, here comes another six-rounder. Obviously, that was, you know, magic. That will probably never happen again. Um, he'll probably come in and have a decent game because the Texans' defense is garbage. Everybody puts up like 100 points against them. But... I think in this particular case, uh, Deshaun Watson is going to put together a, a pretty decent game against the Jaguars team that is obviously struggling. They're one in six, but the Jaguars are losing games because they're not playing very well. The Texans are losing games because their defense is awful. So they have a chance here with a rookie quarterback who's coming in, making his debut. Uh, Minshew's not being replaced. He's out for his weird fin finger injury that we talked about earlier that seemed to be before it was ever even reported just some some issues fingers and ribs and other things um but i think this one's going to be watson the the texans are one of the most frustrating teams out there because even when he has stellar games their defense is just terrible um terrible t-r-b-l terrible yeah, i feel bad for guys like jj watt because you know He's on a team like that where he's this big, booming figure that was sort of the face of all the good things in this league. I know some people think he's pretentious by showing all the good things that he does versus just doing the good things and letting other people show it. Um, but anyway, I feel bad for him. He needs to go to a team who's going to help take care of him and who is, one, going to keep him healthy, but two, put him in a, a place or a position to potentially win because he's had too good of a career to not get a Super Bowl out of this. It's not going to happen with the Texans. They are going to win this game. Um, I think the rookie's going to come in and probably struggle a little bit. He'll, it'll be an artificial victory for him. He'll probably put up like 200 yards. I do think he'll probably turn the ball over once or twice, just kind of feeling things out. But that Texas defense is so bad. It's going to give the Jaguars and their fans a little bit of some false hope seeing how well he does coming out of the gate. Um, but yeah, I think Deshaun Watson has another decent game. Uh, I think despite their defensive shortcomings, the Jaguars, they're just not going to be able to put up a ton of points. So I got, uh, I got Texans improving to two and six, which when they backed up the Brinks truck in the off season and they paid Deshaun all that money was probably <laughs> not what they were expecting. Uh, uh, nope. There's, there's still half of a season of football to turn that around. You know, put up a couple wins. You position yourself to come back to a 500 team. This is this is your chance. Take this one, win big. Tell your defense to get their shit together. Start stringing together some wins. Right on, right on. Texans, listen to Tim. He's from South. No, Charleston. No, Charlestown. Charlestown. I don't even know. Uh, Charleston look. is like this nice family neighborhood. Charlestown is where I heard a guy saying he was going to rob everybody in the while I was standing in line at TD Garden just because they were from away. Like <laughs> Charleston in Charlestown. Uh, Charlestown is not that now. When you go to Charlestown, it's like Yuppieville, and everyone's got a million dollars. But anyway, oh, gent gentrification is the worst, huh? All right, Ravens Colts. Uh, look, the Steelers have Lamar Jackson's number apparently. Okay, if if they had tossed a few less picks and no fumbles and some other things it didn't seem uncharacteristic of that Ravens team. Then I thought maybe that game was interesting, but this is a game I also find really interesting. Sure. The Colts put up 41 on the lions, but do they have enough defense and enough juice 
on offense to slow down a quarterback who's playing very frustrated and needs to make a statement game. So he's kind of back in the consciousness, back in the conversation. We're going to find that out here. I do think that the Ravens win in OT, and I think it's a, on a walk-off touchdown. The Ravens need to get right. They need to come correct, and I think this is the week they start to do it. Seahawks, Bills. Oh, bummer. Finally, you gave me a 6-1 and one and a 6-2 and two team. Um, this one's an interesting matchup. We'd already talked about the shortcomings of the Seahawks and the defensive side of their ball. I think in order to win this game, Russell's going to have to come out and put up a ton of points because I think the Bills are making some moves. They're Obviously, they're playing somewhat well. They did just beat a Patriots team by, you know, a, a very small hair. Uh, but it was poor weather, a struggling Cam Newton, so I don't think that one should be one of those that's like bulletin board poster material like the Bills fans are making it out to be. Um, I think this one's going to be competitive. I do think the Seahawks are going to take this one, um, but I think it's going to come down again to maybe uh, Russell putting up a game-winning drive, but if Russ goes back and turns the ball over, I think if he gives the ball up even once, this game ends up closer than what we're expecting, but I think the Seahawks win this one. I think it'll probably be you know some late-game heroics again by Russ to make it happen. I wouldn't be shocked if the Bills take this one. Um, Allen's doing well, got a little momentum. Right, he's doing so well that he's he's thrown how many passing touchdowns in the last two weeks? Sorry, I don't want I don't want to steal your thunder, Tim. Your your prediction, your prediction. Doesn't matter. He's still winning games. He's still winning games. Not all of them are thrown in the air. You got to go to the uh, that ground game, and if you're going up a defense who is not doing that great at stopping the run, it doesn't bode well for your team. So, while I think the Seahawks are going to win this one, it'll probably be a little bit closer. And if Cam coughs up more than one turnover, or not Cam, if Russ coughs up more than one turnover in this game, wouldn't be surprised to see it slide the Bills away. But I got Seahawks in a close one. Yes. All right. Broncos Falcons. Look, the Broncos scored three touchdowns in the fourth last week. That was not expected. And at the point in the season where teams that have made it this far with healthy folks are really only making it that far because they're finally gelling. And that's what I think makes this game sort of interesting as well. The Falcons now have a healthy Julio Jones. Calvin Ridley might not play this game, but Russell Gage can step up. They got a running game. The defense isn't great. It's not really terrible. Not as bad as the Seahawks, right? So there's no need to stop short of the goal line if you're Todd Gurley here, coming off a tough division win. The Broncos are a feisty squad, and I think this may be a game with some fireworks, but that's based on the fact that the Broncos really need to start tacking and stacking some wins together if they want to have a shot at a wild card. Atlanta can can play spoiler in this game, and I expect them to do just that. It may be closer than I think Falcons fans want to see it, but they're going to win the Falcons by at least four points. Steelers, Cowboys, the obvious pick here is the Steelers. The Cowboys are in a really, really tough spot, and the Steelers are coming off of a stretch where they played the Ravens, the Titans, the Browns, and the Eagles. Obviously, we know the Eagles are kind of struggling a little bit. Um, the Browns are playing well. Titans obviously have been doing well all season. The Ravens, they're always a threat, even though their record might not reflect that same thing as of the last few weeks. Uh, I think Pittsburgh just continues to roll. Uh, 
they're not going to go undefeated. I'll just put that out there right now. They're not going to go undefeated. They're eventually going to get caught. Uh, they did almost get caught in a game where Lamar played poorly, uh, and neither team had a ton of productive, uh, a ton of production. But um, I think this is one. The Cowboys are just too banged up. Uh, unless they pull out some sort of crazy miracle and catch the Steelers sleeping, I don't think it's happening. I got Steelers and Steelers probably by a couple. Steelers by a couple thousand points. Yeah. Take that one to the bank. Seriously. Don't man. do that. Don't the do that either. The over under will be just as bad as the, uh, <laughs> as the um, okay. Raiders chargers. This game again is interesting. The Raiders got a gritty ass win last week. I guess the autumn win with the rain and the hail is a Raider. Uh, shout out to hard knocks for that. Uh, the autumn wind is a Raider. That's that's the phrase. Go back and watch the film. Go back and watch the film. Yeah, you'll see what I'm saying. Uh, that being said, I think the Chargers have blown 15-plus point leads in all the way that the Atlanta Falcons can. And the Browns have been able to score bunches. And you got to give Las Vegas credit where it's due. Sometimes you have to win ugly. And I think it's going to be another ugly win for the Raiders here because the Chargers are going to score a lot of points in this one. I do think the Chargers could attempt to play spoiler, but I think the Raiders climb down here and they they eke out with a win. All right, so oh wait, no, it's not my turn. Sam, the uh, show writer, uh, <laughs> decided to give himself all the bread this week. So continue to listen. Please continue uh, to listen to Sam's voice while I sit back and please listen to the sound gonna, of my voice. I'm gonna go watch the trade deadline and, and throw up looking at uh, the election results. Go ahead. <laughs> Okay. All right. Dolphins, Cardinals. Look, for some reason, the Dolphins have been sneaky good this year. Cardinals coming off a bye here, and the Cardinals are not the Rams. Uh, so for some reason, I can't pin down why the Dolphins are the way they are this year, but I love that they're not sitting down in the division now that the Patriots are no longer a factor, and they're not exactly just giving it uh, to Buffalo. So while there's only a couple games between them and Buffalo, I think given by what we've seen this season, I think it's totally possible that they challenge Buffalo for the division. Um, Arizona's looked a lot better lately, and their victory against Seattle means that they can hang around with big teams even if they're behind, uh, which is also the same thing the Dolphins did against the Rams. I trust the Cards to fight a little bit more here. Um, I think that outside of Kyler Murray, they don't have a great running game because they oscillate between full send and full idle. So Arizona's going to win this game, but it's going to be super close, and it's going to be by field goal. Is, is it my turn now? It's it my, is your oh, turn. It's my turn yeah. for the next two now. So Sam just he just look. I he geez, just I gave that. I gave you the bucks. I gave you the he bucks. Just, I'm 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 doing a Tom Brady thing for you. I'm letting you say the Seahawks are going to lose and and stopping my homerism bias. Jeez, Tim, you got to give me some <laughs> give me some bread here. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying. I'm trying. Right, damn I'll keep it. it short for you guys for the next two because you're gonna you're gonna hear oh, my okay. voice for a little bit. Um, I got Saints Bucks. This is kind of one of those matchups you've been looking for. Every single season, you have two of the most storied quarterbacks in NFL history going up against each other. Uh, it's fitting that Tom just surpassed Drew Brees going into this game uh, as the all-time touchdown leader. I do think this one leans towards the Bucks. The Saints have been up and down for the last few weeks, and they've come within losing by six points to some teams where they really shouldn't have been in that conversation. I think a lot of this is going to be dependent on whether or not Michael Thomas comes back. Um, on the other side of the ball, you have a one Antonio Brown 
opinions on whether or not he should or should not play aside. Uh, he is one of those that does pose a threat depending on the type of shape he comes into. I mean, if you saw him in any one of his crazy videos, he was still in phenomenal shape. He was just batshit crazy. Um, but before everything went down, him and Tom had made a connection and they were finding each other for some old school style Randy Moss type plays. Obviously not that the Tom Brady doesn't have that same arm. Uh, he is good for one of those passes a game, at least. He had a couple of those last weekend where he looked like he was about to connect for some huge yards. Obviously, there was there was some disconnects there. Some were off throws. Some were just, you know, misses, but it is what it is. I think it's going to be a little bit more for the Saints to overcome. I think their defense is starting to show um, some gaps that teams haven't been able to take advantage of. And I think if you're going up against a quarterback like Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or any one of those guys, Ben Roethlisberger at this point, uh, they're going to expose those and they're going to take advantage of those. If Brown does play, I don't think he's going to be a huge difference maker, but he might be good for like one or two big runs. He's had a couple weeks now to kind of figure things out. If you don't think him and Tom haven't been talking before this, you're probably out of your mind because I'm sure... There were conversations that were being had, maybe some plays that were being shared. Um, and there was probably a little bit of a heads up at the start of the season. I was just like, hey, man, get yourself in shape. Get yourself ready to go. Let's make this work. So it may come out and surprise us. Um, I'm not there. I don't know necessarily if you're going to plug a guy in like Brown, who obviously has a little bit of a storied past. Not everyone is excited to see him come back to the league. The guys who have been on the team at this point who are helping you win might not be too keen on uh, being willing to give up plays to let a guy like that get some reps. But in any event, it, it could be there. I think they're going to take advantage of some of the shortcomings on the defensive side of the ball. I think the Bucs are going to take this one. Ooh, boy. All Moving right. on. I had to. Oh, yeah. No, I don't. I don't have the Monday night game. Yeah. You had the Monday yeah, night see game. How you had to. You oh, had look at that. In a row, so now I get to. I could talk about the Bucks and the Patriots. It's like, no, it's not. It's not a great. It's not a great week because the Patriots aren't aren't great. Um, which I was here for. I said in the beginning of the season, I can't get down on them. I knew it was going to be a tough season. I knew there are some transitions. Let's get rid of some of these bandwagoners. Let's go. Um, that being said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying I'm trying to will it into my body to not be upset about about this record. But we got the Patriots at two and five, the Jets 0 and eight. Uh if the Jets uh, if the Patriots come in playing like they have the last two weeks, the Jets are gonna win this one. And I don't mean that to be funny or to be shocking. The Patriots have looked really bad. I mean the Bills are a good team. We put up a good effort. We did well, but it was shitty weather. Neither side really did well passing the ball. Um, unfortunately, this is back-to-back -back weeks or three weeks in a row where Cam hasn't done well passing the ball, so you can't really use the weather as an excuse for the last three weeks. Um, I think they're going to make a couple adjustments. They're going to make some changes. They did almost squeak out the win against the Bills. The Jets clearly aren't the same team. Um, I did hear a quote that said, people are forgetting how good of a Jets, how good of a team the Jets are. It's because their record's 0-8, which sounds counterintuitive. They are 0-8. They are capable of doing some things, though. We saw it part of last season. 
Um, you keep expecting them to make a turn and start doing well. Uh, they haven't done much up to this point in the trade deadlines. You're wondering if, if maybe they're considering tanking mode. Uh, I think the Patriots do win this one. I think this is going to be another one that's closer than what it should be or what it needs to be. Um, it's another one where Cam, where Cam does give the ball up again and probably misses some open receivers. You wonder how short of a leash he might be on. Stidham hasn't done that much better coming into these games, but at some point, I think you got to pull Cam aside and like have him fully evaluated. Like check out everything and see what's going on because he doesn't look like the same player he did the first half of the season. There's all these Cam haters and Patriot haters that are going to be like, oh, well, this is Cam every season. No, you guys have short-term memories. Cam has been a stellar player for a lot of the time on some tough Carolina teams. So at some point, you got to take a look and say, what's going on? Are we in a scenario where we got like a Lamar Jackson thing going on where there's something underlying that we don't quite know about? Um, coughing the ball up when you're running it obviously is just a mental mistake. You just weren't protecting the ball in an area where you needed to do nothing but protect the ball. But some of these passes, uh, he just looks slower. He just doesn't look, look the same. It could be age. Don't know. The cliff could have hit him harder than it has other quarterbacks. Who knows? But I think the Patriots are going to take this. The age cliff for for Cameron Jarrell Newton? That's that's a new one. But I, I, I guess... Bet, uh... I said it. You can go back and listen to the other podcast. I've always said I thought the longevity <laughs> of mobile quarterbacks was a lot less than the age span and the longevity of a pocket passer because of those hits they take. And you got to wonder if some of those hits have started to pile up. He's in now. He's not, he has taken a bunch of huge hits this season, but you can't argue with the fact that he's slower. He's not as accurate. And something just looks off. It all stems from the COVID shutdown for two weeks. But, and I, I don't want to make excuses and say COVID is the reason. That's not it. I know all of our listeners, I know a lot of them are going to listen to this and think that, you know, that's what he's saying. Now, I'm not saying COVID is the reason why. What I am saying is since he was out for COVID and now he's a very different quarterback than he was leading up to that point. Uh, I think if they screw around and try to get cute, they're going to lose this game to an 0-18. And then you're really really going to start hearing some of the grumblings about the dynasty being over. I'm not there. It's one year. Like, Christ, give them time to transition out of a quarterback. And a, and how many guys did they trade in the offseason? We got rid of Flowers. We got rid of a bunch of guys in the offseason. Plus half of our defense is sitting. Pump the brakes. The dynasty's not over. It's a rebuilding year. Teams go through this every, like, six years, and we just haven't had to do it for, like, 25. So, relax. <laughs> Relax, everybody. All right. I got right. the Patriots winning this one. All right. That's that's well, obviously. Not so obviously. It'll be a close one. Right. Closer than what it should be. All right. That is yeah. week nine. Our predictions in a nutshell. Wrapping up this episode of the Assassin Matter Podcast. Obviously, our thoughts and prayers go out to the vacation land folks with their recent loss. Rest in peace to Corey. And we hope that everyone, um, I mean, while we're recording this on Tuesday night, a lot of people are probably feeling some type of way about the election. Just remember, no matter which candidate actually brings it home, we all still have more work to do as a nation to sort of work together. We can we can play partisan politics. We can blame 
a side of the street, a side of the aisle. It doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, we all have to work together. We all have to be better. We all have to make the United States a place worth living in. And that also means we also have to stop picking the Patriots in prime time because they're going to lose this game to the Jets. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was thinking this whole podcast about how I was going to end this with it being election night. And I just want to take a second to say that for the first time in my 37 years on this planet, I have been somewhat ashamed as to what America has represented in the public eye, especially over the last few weeks. No matter who wins tonight, into tomorrow, however long it takes to, to come up and determine a winner, neither side is going to accept whoever that winner is. Let's just come to that understanding. Right. I've seen a lot of back and forth about liberals and Democrats and, oh my God, if Trump wins, liberals are going to, and if, if, if Biden wins, the, and, and the right is going to move, whatever. The point is, every single election, it has been doom and gloom. They're going to take all of our money. They're going to take our guns. The... They're going to sell us out to a foreign country. Whatever the case may be, every single election, it's the same thing over and over and over. COVID-19 is a thing that any president who was in office was probably going to struggle with. Could it have been handled better? Sure, that's not for me to say. Was it handled poorly? That's not for me to say. That's not this conversation here. That's a conversation we can have outside. This is my political views aside and not part of this conversation. COVID-19 was not something anybody could plan for. That being said, the way we are treating each other as Americans and as fellow citizens, regardless of what aisle you are on, has been hot garbage. So when I look at things, I look at all of them from an independent point of view, separate from whoever the candidate is. So I tend to find myself being one of very few people who see both sides of the conversation. And I have to tell you, both sides are pretty shitty right now. Both sides are treating people poorly. It has to stop. The only way we move forward is if everybody comes together and tries to figure this shit out. You don't have to like whoever the president is. You don't. You you do not. But you have to respect the person that's standing next to you, regardless of what their political view is. This isn't how we treat each other. This isn't how you care for each other. You got to love each other. You got to respect each other. You got to take care of each other. You have to be open to conversation. You don't just shut down the moment you hear somebody who's on the opposite side. Save the hate for people who Dude. think the Jets can win against the Patriots. That's, exactly. that's where you need to keep the heat for. Keep exactly. that same energy. Like COVID is, I mean, you can either trust all the scientists in the world or you can trust your buddy who probably never passed high school science who's talking about it on Facebook. Like there are things you can draw lines on. But when it comes to politics, it's one of those things that there are dividing differences between the two. You got to respect them. You just, you got to do it, but you got to love each other. You got to take care of each other. You got to build each other up. Stop writing each other off because of whatever your political stance is. It doesn't make any sense. It's not going to get us anywhere and it's just going to get worse. Stop sharing the shit you see online if you can't verify it first. Stop talking about conspiracy theories. Stop spreading nonsense. Have a conversation with somebody, for the love of God. I can't watch it anymore. Take care of each other. We love you guys. Love each other and take care of each other. That's all we're saying. And we will talk to you 
next week. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.